spring practice is in the books. We've got a much better idea of what this Notre Dame team is going to look like in 2023, but there's still plenty of question marks heading into the summer. Greg Flamung and I discuss a few of those coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Tuesday, April 25th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. As always, you can watch the show on YouTube or listen on your preferred podcast platform. And if you like what you hear, I'd encourage you to subscribe to the show so you can stay up to date on all future episodes. I'm Tyler Wojcik, and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018, and I've been covering college football ever since. First for ESPN, and now at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. In today's episode, I'm going to be joined by my friend Greg Flamung from Irish Sports Daily to talk about the Prince Colley news now that he officially entered his name in the transfer portal on Monday. Plus, we're going to revisit the blue and gold game and discuss some of our biggest takeaways from Notre Dame spring practice as a whole now that it's officially come to an end. One quick programming note, I know there's been a lot of recruiting news lately, and I'm planning on doing a deep dive on that in tomorrow's episode. Um, I'm actually hoping to have a recruiting insider join me for that conversation as well, so you won't want to miss that. Plus, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, the NFL draft is this week. There hasn't really been a lot of coverage on it. Uh, I'm kidding, obviously, but assuming Michael Mayer gets drafted in the first round, we will have you covered here on Friday to talk about where Mayer ended up, his fit, and what he can do at the next level in the NFL. Okay, let's talk to Greg. All right, Greg Flamung from Irish Sports Daily joins us now. And Greg, the last time you came on the show was the official start of spring practice for Notre Dame. So it's great to have you on again so we can revisit some of those talking points from a month ago. But before we get to that, I want to ask you about junior linebacker Prince Colley entering his name in the transfer portal. It's been rumored for weeks, but now that it's official, what was your reaction when you heard the news? Uh, my reaction was that it's a bummer. Um, it's unfortunate. I feel like he's someone who who I think has good football in his uh in his arsenal there. I think he can be a good football player. I think the problem that he ran into is he's, he's two years in, he doesn't have a COVID year and he, he has young players behind him who look like they're really good. So, I mean, all the young linebackers looked really good in the, in the spring game. And so that makes it hard when you have a, a big crop of players that could play really well and they, they all kind of deserve to be on the field. Maybe it's better for him to go somewhere where he doesn't have Drake Bowen there and Jalen Sneed and Jack Kaiser and, you know, Preston Zinter looked really good, right? Jaden Osbury, right? Like you're competing with all those guys for snaps um, as well as the upperclassmen who've, who've logged a lot of minutes and snaps on the field. So, you know, maybe it's better for him to go and it's like you're going to get a lot more work, don't have that kind of competition there, and he gets to, you know, fulfill his potential at another destination so good luck to him but really it was a for me it's just like it's just a bummer I feel like he had a lot of potential just didn't meet it you know a lot of, a lot of concussions and that sort of thing yeah I feel sort of the same way it's disappointing that it didn't work out at Notre Dame considering how much talent we know he has and like you said it's just a really crowded room and sometimes this happens this happens to a lot of good programs where guys simply don't pan out but that's that's not necessarily like an indictment on the program it's just the way things are with linebacker but staying on the defense uh, the D-line was considered a big question mark going into the spring and even though I still have some concerns about the unit. Um, there have been some encouraging developments with guys like Jason Anye and Tyson Ford stepping up, and that was on display in the blue and gold game. So has your perspective on the defensive line changed at all since spring practice began? I don't think mine has. I, I, I was never really concerned about it. Um, I just felt like they had so many players who could 
who had the opportunity to step up. I just, you assume someone is going to, and it seems like multiple had, I think, um, I think the one question you have, like we didn't see um, Javante Jean Baptiste. Um, we didn't really see him in the game. Right. And that's, I think that's kind of normal for a fifth year guy. Like he's not going to get a ton of snaps, especially if he was carrying any sort of injury or, you know, any soreness or anything like that. Like you're not really going to see him. We didn't really see a ton of Nana. Right. And so that might be a little bit more open question uh, than you, you kind of want at the strong end position. Um, but we'll kind of see how that, you know, how that kind of matriculates itself into the summer and fall camp and that sort of thing. But I think Jordan Batelho, I think we've heard really good things about him. I think Julian Tulahalamaka, you know, I was skeptical of the move, but I, I think that he's, he's definitely embraced it. And at the very least, he's going to be good against the run, you know, and, and he showed some pretty good, pretty good uh, pass rush moves against Joe Alt in the game. Right. And that's a, obviously a tough person to go against. Um, and then inside, right. Like with Howard Cross, Riley Mills, like you said, Jason Anye, I, I think, you know, it, it, someone who they thought would come in and be an end. I think he has the athleticism of, of someone like that. And he's gotten the, the really good size there. Um, so there's some really high upside there. Uh, Gabe Rubio looked good in the game. So, uh, and then you mentioned Tyson Ford too. So I, I think there's a lot to um, look forward to on the defensive line. I, I'm, they have so many bodies. Again, I, I don't know what the upside is. I think that might be the open question that people kind of have is like, how good can they be actually? But in terms of getting really good, solid play, I, I think that was uh, that was always my expectation. And there's nothing that happened in the spring game that moved me off that for sure. Yeah, I guess the way I looked at it was Notre Dame certainly lacked the star power or at least the proven star player or yeah. star power on the defensive line. And you look at some of the teams competing in the college football playoff, you need stars on the defensive line. So do you think this could be a situation where the sum is greater than its parts kind of thing? It could be, it could be, but you also have, you know, you have some flyers there, right? Like Gene Baptiste, like he, he has high pass rush potential, same as Jordan Botelho. And look, if you have someone like Jason Anye, like we really don't know what his ceiling is. Right. I mean, He's kind of an unproven, unknown kind of thing. Like he was brought in as a project and now he's playing the one tech and he was brought in as a project end. What, what can that lead to? You know, like we really don't know. Right. So um, I do think there's, it's probably a better chance that it's something like you said, like the sum is greater than the, the, the whole or, or however the saying goes, like, yeah. however that saying goes, like, I think that's probably a, a more likely outcome, but I think there is that tinge of upside there that you kind of want at the position um, and look, we still have some freshmen to come in, right? Like Brennan Vernon, he could come in and make a make a splash. So um, time will tell on that. Okay, we waited long enough. Let's talk about Sam Hartman. Um, you tweeted out several film breakdowns of Hartman's throws on Saturday. So if you're listening to this and haven't seen those already, go check them out at Greg2126 on Twitter. Um, now that you've had a chance to go back and rewatch it all, what stood out to you about Hartman's performance on Saturday? Um, I, I think it was just a, a command he showed. And I mean, he really had a good feel for where to go with the ball. That's always my biggest concern with quarterbacks is like, do you know where the ball is supposed to go? And I think that, you know, immediately after the game, I think we felt like Hartman had a, a, a great deal better protection than Tyler Buckner did. And going back, I don't, I don't know that that was necessarily the case. I think that that there were times when the pocket broke down on Sam Hartman, but he was getting the ball out quickly. He was getting the ball out accurately and, and where, you know, where it needed to go. Right. And, you know, he took great advantage of Jaden Greathouse. He was obviously finding zones. I think Jaden Greathouse, he had 11 catches, seven might've been on the same curl route. Right. And so that was open all game. Um, and he was getting it out, right. He got the ball out to uh, Jaden Thomas really quickly on the touchdown, gave him a chance to maneuver around. 
took the one shot to Jaden Thomas, which of course we love to see, right? Um, and then he picked out uh, Matt Salerno in the corner on a corner route against uh, uh, Ryan Barnes in, in, uh, in man-to-man coverage. So I think for me it was just he knew exactly where he wanted to go with the ball. He was accurate, um, made good decisions, that sort of thing. And that's what you're looking for, right? I mean, that's a 60-year senior. Uh, you bring in someone like that. You want that command. You want them to – Hit the easy stuff, and that was all easy stuff. You know, I, I, I've answered a, a bunch of people today about, you know, I, I don't think he did anything really spectacular. Like all the reasons that I think we're all excited about him, we didn't really see it. You know, he took the one deep shot, didn't really push the ball down the field too much. They didn't try to push the ball downfield too much. It wasn't that kind of a game, so uh, you know, it's not something I'm concerned about. But you know, it's just one of those things where. You know, Notre Dame struggled in a lot of games last year that maybe they shouldn't, right? Like, so Marshall uh, obviously comes to mind. Stanford obviously comes to mind. And I feel like it'll be hard for Notre Dame to struggle like that when they have a quarterback who can just hit all the easy stuff. And it's just very easy for him not getting pressed, not getting, you know, pressured or anything like that. Just it's it's ho-hum for him, right? Pitch and catch. So that that's what for me was really nice to see. It just wasn't a hard day, just like routine day at the office for him. That's an interesting point you make there because, in a way, I think it's easy for a lot of fans to get super excited because what Hartman did on Saturday in comparison to what we saw from the quarterbacks last year, just yeah. doing the easy stuff, it feels like a win. So when you were going back and rewatching, was there one play? You mentioned a few already. Was there one that really stood out to you like, oh, okay, that's that's more than just the baseline of what we expect with Hartman, but that was a little bit more advanced. Um, I, well, I think the, 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 the post to, to, to Jaden Thomas was good. I mean, they, they, Notre Dame showed blitz on the play. He changed the play. He knew he had, he had man coverage. It was funny. The defense actually took off the blitz, but then kept the man coverage, which like, it's kind of not what you want to do. In my opinion, uh, you should probably keep the blitz on if you're going to stay in the same coverage. Um, but he, you know, he recognized that changed the play and he, uh, he sent Jaden Greathouse on, on a, on a, on a inside out of the slot, he ran like a deep post and then Jaden Thomas ran a post behind that. And, uh, the safety had to respect the first post there and he hit Jaden Thomas. And the thing to me is like, I think we've seen Notre Dame quarterbacks make that throw in the past, but maybe it's a little bit behind or maybe they got to wait on or anything like that. Put it right in stride. And that, and that's really what you want to see, right? Jaden Thomas had a chance to catch the ball and keep going. DJ Brown came over and made the tackle, but you know, it's like, that's what you want to see. It's like good decision, uh, good read, and then the ball is delivered accurately. And the same thing with, to uh, Matt Salerno too on the on the yeah. on the touchdown play. Like it's just it, it's it's he knows where he wants to go with it. He knows he wants to corner out. He knows he gets the coverage that he wants, and then he puts it right in the pocket, right? And it's not like you know it's in the corner, but it's not like he doesn't have to do a toe tap or anything like that. Like it just he gets it uh, he gets it right where you want it, and that's you know. That's good stuff, right? Like uh, 13 to 16, 189 and three scores, one rushing. So that that's that's what you want. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. He's a six-year senior, and that's what he looked like out there. He looked like an adult playing college football, and that's what you want to see when you get a guy like him. Grand slams, no-hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Now, on the flip side of that, obviously, 
Um, you and I both felt like Tyler Buckner would thrive this spring because a lot of the pressure had been taken off him. And Greg, we were right for about 14 practices. But yeah. uh, unfortunately, he did not look good on Saturday. And we'll enter the summer with a lot of the same questions about his game that we had before. So how do you assess the quarterback situation as a whole today? Uh, Buckner had a tough game, you know, I, I, and the thing is, is I, I really feel like he had an opportunity to have a similar type game to Sam Hartman. I think there were a lot of, um, there were a lot of easy throws that he could have made. Yeah. He made it hard on himself. Wasn't looking to the right side of the field, making the wrong read. And that, that hurts you, right? That always gets you in the wrong spot. He's checking down when he has, you know, Tobias Merriweather on a curl route on the other side of the field. You know, you're checking down when you have something else. You, you have a, you have a Audric Estime on an angle route and it's inaccurate you know, and he has a chance to catch it and keep running stuff like that. Like it just, it hurts it. You know, you're not moving the chains. The offense is not humming. There's no real rhythm there. The, the play caller can't get into a rhythm. And so that that's where it's like when you're not sharp and, you know, and obviously the, you know, the, the interception, he almost throws to Jay Nosberry, you know, he's got holding stays on the other side, you know, wide open. And it's like, that's to the boundary too. So it's like, you're, you're looking to the wrong side of the field. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that in, in, you know, in contrast, like Sam Hartman looked like he'd been operating this offense for a number of years, when in reality, he's been doing it for a couple months. And Tyler Buckner's been in this offense for a couple years. So the fact that Sam Hartman seems to have grasped where I'm supposed to go with the ball, you know, quicker than Tyler Buckner, and he was much more advanced in this game. You know, that's that's uh, kind of red flaggy, right? You you want you want better from Tyler. Now, granted, there were some things that went against him and, and you know, we, we can't overlook those, that those are real things. Um, and he, if he looked better in the practice, then he looked better in the practice, and that's great. But we got a chance to see him one time, and uh, it just kind of looked like the same stuff the, and, and some of the bad stuff we saw, you know. But I think Tyler, he's the kind of guy that he needs to go up against, like, a, a defense when, when it's not split squads and it's not, you know, uh, we're running just kind of whatever plays just because we want to get stuff on tape. Like, when there's a game plan, you know, when there's a set amount of plays that are – kind of plays that he can run that he's going to be really good at. I think that's where he's going to be at his best. And that's like I tweeted out before, like we've seen him play better in real games, you know, so much, much higher leverage situations than the spring game. So he he's still a good football player and he, he, he has, you know, better days ahead for him. Yeah. And one of the things that was sort of in his way was the play of the offensive line. And while that's true, I guess the counter to that could be, well, look at the skill players that Buckner had compared yeah. to Hartman. I mean, if you look at the receivers that Buckner had on the blue team, they were better than what Hartman had, and, and you couldn't even tell. So I was disappointed. Like you said, it was a lot of stuff, a lot of old stuff, some things that we thought that maybe we'd uh, we'd move past by now. But again, it's a spring game. I'm not going to put too much stock into it, and uh, I'm going to choose to think more about the Gator Bowl and his performance in that, even though there were some bad plays in that as well. But we've talked a little bit about the offensive line. A couple guys that stood out to me, Rocco Spindler and Emil Wagner, although I don't really think they're ready to crack the rotation this season. So as of today, who do you think will be the first five guys on the offensive line when Notre Dame opens up the season against Navy uh, in August? Um, if I had to guess, so obviously I think all Fisher and Carell are three, right? So there's yeah. just pencil them in. Um, I, I think Strouth will probably end up winning the left guard spot. Uh, I think he shows tremendous power. I think he got he got overpowered a couple of times, but um, he st- didn't get completely run over. You know, he still he 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 had trouble uh, setting it. You know, setting in a pass set a couple of times, and that can happen in your first spring game or whatever. So that's that's no big deal. 
Uh, but I think he plays with a lot of power. I think his upside in the run game is really high. And, you know, I on the other side, if I had to guess, I would say probably Kristoffic just because he's played. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out Spindler. I I, I I didn't think I would say that going into <laughs> going into the yeah, spring. Definitely. We definitely didn't say it. And uh, coming out of the spring, I didn't I didn't think we'd say that. But I think he showed enough to where there's something there. And I think they're going to have to keep uh, keep looking at that. Right. Um, you know, Kristoffic, he, he certainly he had the chance. I think he's probably had the chance to kind of solidify the spot and he hasn't done it. And Spindler, you know, I think I think Emil Wagner, he's still got to put on the weight. That's still got to be a thing. I think of those two guys, I think Rocco's the one who it's like he's got a chance to actually be the, like be the guy at right guard. Um, and it's probably you know, like I said, probably Kristoffic, but I think there's something there in Spindler. I, I'm I'm encouraged by that. I'm glad I'm glad that it didn't get adjudicated because um, you know there's upside with him that I don't think exists with other players. So. Um, That'll be interesting to watch going in the summer. Definitely. And it's interesting how going into the spring, we were looking at maybe four to five guys who could potentially play there. But then Michael Carmody missed most of the spring with an injury. Yeah. We didn't see a ton from Pat Coogan to make us think that he was going to insert himself into that role. And even though Krasovich didn't take control of that, uh, that guard spot, I, I feel good about Strath, although I think if if he does end up starting, we're all going to have to accept the fact going into this season that he's going to have some growing pains. Like you mentioned a few plays oh, where yeah. he got overpowered. So we kind of need the rest of that unit, guys like Alt and then Carell in the middle, and then Fisher to, to play above and beyond, which they're certainly capable of, because I think we're going to have to deal with some deficiencies at the guard spot, but that just might be the case for the offensive line this season. I think and, – and- I think it's really good. Like I, I thought Zeke Carell played really well. I thought he was great. And so I think that really helps, right? Cause you know, Kristoffic did not play next to Carell. You know, he was, he was next to Blake Fisher, but he didn't have Carell next to him, you know? And that, that I think that'll make a big difference for him. And the same thing with, with, with Strouth, right? He'll have Carell and all right in there. And, and those guys are kind of good to, you know, they're going to help you. You know, and, and they'll 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 bring you along a little bit. So I, I think I think that'll be good. And and I kind of feel like that with the whole offense too. Like I know a lot of people are concerned, you know, that people were down on, you know, Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather and, and uh Chris Tyree and that sort of thing. I think when those guys get all on the same unit, they're working towards the same thing. It's not split squad, they're all working with Sam Hartman. I think it's gonna look a lot different. Um there's a lot to be excited about, right? There's a, there's a ton to be excited about with this team, so especially offensively, which is what we're talking about. Yeah, I agree. And uh, on the offense, two guys we talked quite a bit about the last time you were on were Lorenzo Styles and Chris Tyree because we both kind of felt like they had the most to prove of any players on the offense, and both yeah. of them ended up switching positions, and now Styles is obviously on the way out. But I think Tyree is starting to show how effective he can be as a wide receiver. So if you had to predict... And, and I'm including Styles in this as well. Mm. How do you think both of their college careers are going to play out? Ooh, um, we could start well, with Tyree since well, he's on the Tyree. Team. I mean, it's there. There is growth still that needs to happen, right? Like he had sure. a good slant route. I put it on. Um, I put it on Twitter. He had a good uh, slant off an RPO, caught the ball, um, and then got hit by Xavier Watts. And Watts wasn't able to get the ball out of there, right? And that's really good for a running back. You know, he hasn't he hasn't been running those types of routes. He hasn't been catching those types of passes. Um, you know, he's caught balls out of the backfield, but th- that's kind of a different thing, right? You get hit, you know, 10 yards down the field and that sort of thing. You've got to find it in RPO. The ball comes out, you know, from a kind of a different angle than you're used to. So that, that was a really good play by him. 
Um, I think some of the route running needs to get cleaned up, right? Like he's not, he doesn't have that natural route running ability like Kyron had or um, like someone like Theo Riddick, right? Where those guys just had a knack for it. He doesn't have that, but I think, you know, he has obviously time. He hasn't been a wide receiver for very long, so he can, he can keep working on that. And I, I think if he cleans that up, I think there's a, there's a good, there's a good player there. And I think someone who can really help. Um, I think the fact that Jaden Greyhouse showed what he showed. I mean, obviously he knows how to work in zones and he knows how to catch the ball and get up field. Right. And I think they're going to be using Jaden Thomas a lot in the slot. So um, it's, it's good. You know, what can he be? I don't know. Like if he, if he caught somewhere like between 15 and 20 passes this year, I think that would be really good. Honestly, I I think that would be really good for him. Get some carries on jet sweeps and that sort of thing. Um, He, and, and I, I, I heard it brought up earlier on another show, but, he has two years left because 2020 was his freshman year. That was a COVID year. So that was essentially a, a red shirt for him. So he has two years at this. So if he wants to take advantage of that, I think that's something for him. Um, as far as Lorenzo Styles, hopefully he goes somewhere where he can get on the field. You know, and I think if he, he wants to play defense, he, you know, uh, Pete Dammel reported that, like he wants to stay on defense. I, I think he's a good football player, right? He's a good athlete. Uh, he's physical. He's strong. Um, he's aggressive, right? Especially as a DB, like he, like he likes to mix it up. So if you can get somewhere where he can get some playing time, get on the field. Um, my, uh, my, my co-host Jamie Uyama on hit and hustle, he mentioned, you know, Cincinnati, something like that might be a good spot for him. Purdue, um, a power five school for sure. Um, I think the better, the better school you, you look at, the more likely it is that they're going to have some guys that they recruited, you know, you're going to have to beat them out. So hopefully he goes somewhere where he can uh, get a good opportunity to play. Yeah, I think he's a good player. He could definitely contribute uh, at a Power 5 school, and it'll be really interesting to see where he ends up. But as for the receivers on the roster, Jaden Thomas looks like a legit number one. We've talked a little bit about Jaden Greathouse already. How deep do you think Notre Dame's receiver rotation is going to be this year? Um, well, okay, so you have the, the the three, right? So you have Jaden Thomas, Deion Colsey, and Tobias. Um, I, th- I, think, I think Matt Salerno might get some run. I mean, because look, if – if Sam Harmon's going to work the the slots like that, I think that that's going to be, um, I think that's going to be he's going to be viable, right? Like there's a role for someone like him. It, it, you yeah, know, he had a touchdown. Like, yeah, yeah, that can't be so, ignored. Yeah, so I mean that's that's a real thing. Um, I think Chris Tyree, you know, I think he'll be, he'll be in there. So I think there's there's five, and I, I got to tell you know I, I think Jaden Greathouse. There's no reason why he can't. I mean he's 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 certainly physically built enough for it. Um, came from a great program. So he's already kind of developed in that way. Um, you know, doing all the things that he did in the spring game, that's, that's all live, right? Like he can do that kind of stuff, especially out of the slot. Um, I know they like Rico Flores a lot. So there's six. I mean, so we're looking at six, you know, if, if, if somehow, I mean, I don't know if they're looking to bring in like another, uh, a transfer or anything. I think that player would have to be really, really good. Um, so there's six right there. And then, you know, you figure the tight ends, you figure, um, you figure the backs, they, they can, they can split out and catch passes. So, um, I would say six wide receivers. Yeah. Braylon James probably needs a little bit more physical development for me. That's just my opinion. And then Caleb Smith, uh, the incoming freshman, that's just a complete, complete wild card. Don't know what we're getting there. He could come in and be KJ Stefferson, and it's like, okay, I guess we have a deep threat. So. <laughs> that would be awesome if we yeah. had another KJ Stefferson with just <laughs> you know slightly better decision making off the field. But uh, you bring up the transfer portal, 
And with Styles and Kali on their way out the door, Notre Dame has already lost two players who figured to at least be in the rotations for their respective position groups, uh, and now they're gone. So I'd expect a few more guys to join them here soon, but they'll probably, uh, hopefully, be guys at the bottom of the depth chart. So how aggressive do you think Notre Dame needs to be uh, when it comes to acquiring transfers in the portal this summer? Um, I, I know they want a safety. I mean, they've been yeah. pretty open about that. So they they're have looking to at get help. a safety. <laughs> they're looking at help at safety, that's for sure. Um, so they're going to be aggressive there. I think with the rest, you know, honestly, I, I really think that they can be picky and they don't need to take anyone at all. If they get some, if there's someone who comes up in the portal and, and they're a good fit, uh, like say at receiver or defensive end or something like that, um, I think then you would probably do it just for the upside. Uh, yeah, tight end, no. Um, maybe a guard, like if a guard, th- there's one thing where it's like, if, if, if a guard came in, you know, someone who started games and just wants to find a better situation. It's like, Hey, I can play at Notre Dame and play next to Joe Alt and play next to Zeke Carell. I'm going to go do that. Like, I think I could see that then taking a guard, but I don't think they need to. You know, it's one of those things like they can be picky, right? You're not like, I don't think they would take Kane Madden this year. I don't, I, I think, I think they could get that from Andrew Kostovic and uh, Rocco Spindler. So um, that's kind of where I see it. Definitely a safety. Um, but beyond that, you know, probably either defensive end guard, uh, maybe another defensive back um, just as again, it's gotta be a really good player. So it's got, it's gotta be someone who they really expect to play. Outside of safety, which position do you think would make the most sense out of that, out of all the ones you just mentioned? The most sense, probably, probably guard. Yeah. I probably guard going into the spring. I would not have felt that way. Uh, but considering all the things we've already mentioned about how Christophic didn't really seize control of the position, I think Notre Dame's coaching staff is probably going to be a lot more open to the idea now. Yeah, I agree. All right, last question before we let you go here. Uh, which freshman who didn't enroll early do you think could have the biggest impact on the team this upcoming season? Didn't enroll early. Um, I would have to say, I mean, maybe Jeremiah Love, right? Because, you know, I, I thought I thought Jabron Payne looked really good. I liked him in the game as a third back. Uh, but they don't have – they just don't have that home run hitter. And I and I and I think Jadarian Price, I think he needs another year, frankly, from the, the Achilles. I really do. And I hope they can give it to him. You know, because it, it's a it's a hard injury to come back from, you know. So I think there's a role for a, just a straight speed guy, right? And Jeremiah Love has the juice. He has more juice than you know any of those other guys, you know. And so I think there's a possibility for him just to come in and blow the doors off. Um it's kind of cheating because Christian Gray was an early enrollee, but we didn't see yeah, him. That's true. We didn't see him. So it, I, I want to see what he can do, right? I, I think there's something there. Um, there's a role for him if if he comes in and locks people down, just like Ben Morrison. Like, I don't think we, Ben Morrison was not an early enrollee, right? And we, we hadn't seen him in last spring. And he came in and just – he was started covering people. Yeah. And, I, and I know that they were very excited about Christian Gray. Obviously, he got hurt, so that, that really hurt. But um, – yeah, I, I think I think he could come in and, and really show something. I, I agree with the Jeremiah Love sentiment. Do you think that there's a world where he comes on campus and he's a, he showcases his freak athleticism and Notre Dame's like, all right, we got to get him on the field. The running back room is obviously very crowded. 
Uh, I'm with you on Price. I think the best case scenario for him is that he starts to flash later in the year when he's had more time to recover a little bit. Do you think that they'd be willing to put Love, I don't want to say as like a, a slot receiver as if he's like cross-training, but they just put him on the field, lined up in the slot, and then they could give him jet sweeps, screens, anything like that? Because in high school, he was a pretty good uh, receiving threat. That, honestly, that's exactly what I was thinking. Okay. So we're we're on the same page there. Get him on the perimeter, get the ball in his hands some kind of way and see what happens. You know, that's what they did with ProSize originally. You know, they 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 had him on offense, you know, and they they ran him on routes for sure. But they also they gave him jets and yeah. it's like, hey, he looks really good with the ball. Why don't we just put him in the backfield? Right. So I think stuff like that. I think I think that's uh, I think that's a real possibility. It's certainly an exciting time for the Notre Dame offense when we're talking about multiple different guys who could be home run hitters when that just really hasn't always been the case in recent years. But you can find Greg on Twitter at Greg2126 and check out his podcast, Hit and Hustle, that he does with Jamie Uyama from Irish Sports Daily. Greg, I know you're a busy man, so I appreciate you taking the time to come on, man. And uh, I'm already looking forward to the next one. For sure, man. Thanks, brother. That'll do it for this episode of Locked On Irish. Thanks again to Greg, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. As I said at the top, be sure to tune in to tomorrow's episode. I'm going to do a deep dive on Notre Dame's big recruiting weekend that just went down amidst all the blue and gold game activities. There were plenty of commits in town, plus a lot of potential future commitments as well. Uh, and I'm hoping to have a Notre Dame recruiting insider on the show to go over everything that transpired. So be on the lookout for that. On the way out, remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a follow on Twitter, at LockedOnIrish, on Instagram, at LockedOnIrishPod, and my personal Twitter account, at Tyler Wojcik. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.